to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> um, I don't know if it's within their natures for angels to get tongue-tied, um, but it sort of sounds like that to me in this passage of the Gospel. Um, I picture it like the uh, angels who came to the shepherds. Like they sort of, it's hard to picture like how this works in the cosmos, but I kind of think of them kind of bursting through the different dimensions from which they inhabit compared to the visible ones we inhabit and, and showing up to these shepherds with news. Um, and almost like they forget that as humans, we're terrified of angels apparently because every time they do show up, uh, it's a sort of falling on your face sort of affair. And so there's, there's a sort of, oh, no, 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 don't be afraid. Get up. I have news. I got news I need to tell you. Stand up. Stop being afraid. And actually, it's not just news for you. It's for all people. A rescuer has been born, the promised descendant of David. But it's like the angel kind of keeps realizing, no, there's more to say. The, the Savior is here. He's been born. Uh, he's the Messiah. Actually, that's not the end of the story. He's also the Lord. He's Savior, Messiah, and Lord. As in um, Lord, like how it is printed in the Bibles, like in, in, in all caps, like, like the Lord, Yahweh, right? The, the one who revealed himself to Moses, the one who made the universe. That's who's just been born to you. And I, th I wonder, I was thinking, why does the angel need to, to give this sign, this sort of predictive prophecy, like, look, here's going to be the sign in case you don't believe me. I think it's because the message is just so incredible, so bewildering. This is the Messiah's here, a child. I'm telling you, the shepherds, he's also the Lord. Um, he says, okay, so here's going to be a sign. You'll see him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, which from familiarity at Christmas, we think, oh yeah, that's where you put a baby in the first century. Uh, but of course it's not. Uh, it's a feeding trough, right? No one wanted to put a child in a feeding trough. Uh, that was unusual and would be a visible vindication for the shepherds of the, the sort of invisible thing that they had just been told, that this was the Messiah and the Lord. This baby uh, born on this night, uh, as we know, as Christians, would grow up to be a wandering teacher and miracle worker, and then his life would culminate in the sacrifice of the cross on Golgotha. We know that after he was crucified, he was raised from the dead in that same human nature which he took first from Mary three days after he was killed. And, and that's why we praise tonight the living risen Lord, even as we remember the night on which he took on this flesh. Um, the baby, I, I really like a crash scene because it really drills in that Jesus really was a, a baby, that the God-man really was this tiny child. And I want to um, just unpack very briefly tonight the three titles that the angels ascribe to this child who's born. The Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord. So as a Savior, um, never to forget that that word always uh, needs to take an object, right? You have to be saved from something, right? And what we really celebrate in the Incarnation in Christmas is this, 
being rescued from the distance that divided mankind and God prior to Jesus' coming. Prior, there was just this enormous, unbridgeable gulf. But now, in the person of Jesus, heaven and earth have been brought near. And through that nearness, culminating in the cross, right, would be the salvation from death, the salvation from our sins. He's Savior. He's Messiah. The Greek word is Christ. That's why we call him the Christ the one that God's people have been waiting for patiently for all these years. I love the nativity proclamation that begins this service to remember this is the culmination of a long story. This is the anointed one, the one that God's people have been waiting for. This is, in fact, the Lord, like I said, Yahweh himself. And as I've been preparing for Christmas this year, um, I wonder if you ever have these. It's sort of embarrassing, actually, as a priest, because you kind of think this probably should stop happening after a while. But one of these realizations of, oh, I've kind of been slightly wrong about this all my life up until now, one of these sort of epiphanies. Um, I think the Lord's really shown me that um, prior to this Christmas, when I thought about the Son of God taking on human nature, I, I kind of thought about him sort of letting go of some of his Son of Godness to become small, like it was like a subtraction from his divinity. And as I've been sort of reflecting on the incarnation this Advent and this Christmas, I realize, no, no, that's, that's backwards. It, there's no subtracting from the Son of God. You can't stop being God if you are God. For the Son of God to be born, to take on human nature, was an addition to himself. Right? It wasn't a taking away, it was a taking on. It was taking on something new. Prior to the incarnation, <clears throat> there was no human nature in the Godhead. He took on something that was, had become foreign to himself. And if we think of it that way as addition and not subtraction, it kind of makes Christmas even more mind-blowing, rightly so, that even while, actually before he was born, when Jesus was just a single em cell embryo in Mary's womb, through all of his gestation to his birth that we remember today, every second of his life until its mortal end, he was that whole time also still the Son of God, which we know from the scriptures is the one, as it says in John chapter 1, as we've been listening to on Sundays, um, the one by whom all things were made, as Colossians says, in whom all things hold together, that this tiny little baby is the one in whom all things hold together. He's simultaneously crying for milk and holding the fabric of the universe together in himself. Right? It, that, if that's the sort of full extrapolation of our Christian creed. When we say he is the God-man, right? that means he never stopped being God when he became man. And that's the wonderful mystery of Christmas, right? That this tiny little child, when we remember Jesus as a baby, the wonder of it, it sort of shows in the starkest relief. Because when we see the adult Jesus working miracles, we can kind of see, oh yeah, he's God, and who else could raise Lazarus from the dead? But here he is, this helpless baby, fully God, and fully man. I was reading a book the other day, a theology book, um, and it referred to Jesus as the man-god. I was like, whoa, <laughs> the man-god, but what a perfect title, right? He's fully God and fully man, but it kind of caught me in my tracks. We don't usually say it like that, but that's who he is. He's the man-god, and uh, it's a wonderful mystery at Christmas. Um, 
yeah, I've been sort of putting these sort of Christian pieces of artwork on your bulletins. Look at the picture on the cover of your bulletin. I was thinking about this, and on the one hand, it looks like Mary's just attending to the needs of her baby, but she's also reverentially bowing before the one who made her. Right? That's the sort of strange mystery of his godhood and his manhood, that his own mother, who was taking care of him, was also worshipping her maker and savior. And that's the spirit that I hope we enter into as we proceed in just a moment to the rest of the liturgy that we know so well, right? The words and the songs of the liturgy that we would worship Jesus with sort of the exuberance of the angels who can't seem to help themselves, right? I, I like how in that angelic account, there's one angel kind of delivering the message and it's like all the others burst in from the wings like, yeah, <laughs> here he is. But I can't help themselves. And they're like, okay, okay, back to heaven, back to heaven. <laughs> There's some of that. And also some of this holy fear in some of the early paintings of, from the early Renaissance of the nativity scene, Joseph is shown cowering in the corner, terrified. And I first thought, I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. I mean, this is his dad. But I think the artist was showing, like, this would have been um, terrifying for Joseph, as for Mary, even as it was wonderful, uh, this sense of this child is the son of God. <laughs> and I, I pray that tonight, as we're about to pray and worship, that some of that same holy fear and joy, um, that the, the Spirit himself would stir it up in you as we worship our Lord who was born this day. Amen.